just uh, threw that in there to see if I could uh, catch you, and I, I think I did. Oh, no, it's back. It's not ending. Whatever happened to that series? But again, it's great to have you worshiping with us today, celebrating. And uh, before we get started, let's uh, take some time and just uh, ask the Lord uh, that he'd be present and speak to our hearts. Dear Grace Heavenly Father, we just uh, thank you for this morning. We thank you that we can get together and celebrate you. Uh, Lord, we're also very mindful that this is the week of school for many of our uh, students, and we think of uh, those that are in the public school setting. Uh, we really pray for our teachers that uh, go there and have an opportunity to point to you in uh, subtle ways and sometimes very pointed ways. So we just pray that you'd give them grace and give them a connection so that uh, people would see a little bit of Jesus in their lives. And then we also think of those that are homeschooling their kids. And uh, that, that can be a challenge, that can be a joy, and we just pray that as things get going in these homes where they're uh, teaching and learning right there at home, we just ask that you'd give uh, the parents uh, and those who help with that just insight, and we just again pray that all of our students uh, would be growing into a way that uh, they find it easy to fall in love with Jesus and own a faith that doesn't graduate with high school, but carries them right through into adulthood. And we also think of those that uh, go up to Calvary, and we thank you for the Finger Lakes Christian School, and we thank you for the way that uh, Calvary uh, takes care of that needed niche in our community. We pray for them as they, they begin to get things going. Now, Lord, as uh, we look uh, to you and look to how these things can apply and be relevant in our life, We'd ask that uh, you'd give us wisdom. I pray that you'd give me the right words to say, and we'll just uh, thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. So um, while I was gone on vacation for two weeks back in July, uh, we had Greg Rochelle from Life Church, uh, his videos for uh, the series I Choose, and I thought the series was so good that we would continue on with it, except I would use basically his outlines and fill in the blanks that we missed for the other parts that we didn't hear from. And then in two weeks, we'll begin that series in the ring, uh, Fighting for Your Marriage. And uh, that series really is for all of us, uh, whether you're married, whether you're hoping to be married someday, whether you've been married, uh, there's going to be things in there that uh, just speak to uh, expectations, uh, speak to the differences of how men and women are wired. So don't be scared off with that. If you've had a bad marriage experience, or maybe you're in a, a tough marriage experience right now, don't, let, uh, don't run from those three weeks. I think you'll learn something uh, that uh, helps you directly, but it might also uh, be something that, uh, in a sense, you put a tool in your tool basket, a tool uh, belt, and you can use it later on. So don't, don't miss out on that, uh, that subject. I know sometimes we get a little awkward around those kinds of things, but I thought it was very important that, that we would cover that. And again, so the two weeks we covered in July, you can see them there. Uh, they're still available online. You can watch them. Uh, you can listen to them. So we continue on uh, this morning with I Choose uh, Purpose Over Popularity. And I, I thought just because it's school time, I wanted to start off with just a little pop quiz. And uh, I want you to look at this image and tell me what do you see? Someone says yay, someone says work. What else do you see? Mulan time. You see, you know, that's one of those kinds that doesn't have any assistance. What did you say over here? 
repair, you know, repair, those kinds of things. Well, I, I see all those things, and uh, I really don't know what one of these things are because I'm fortunate my neighbor mows my lawn about 99.9% of the time. But uh, what I see is I see this. I see an L-C-T-D-U, and you go, what in the world is that? And I see one that is very cheap. It's probably about 100 bucks. And, and this is what that stands for, is late Christmas tree disposal unit. And uh, the first time I discovered this, uh, Cindy and I had been only married a few years, and I had a fixture of the desire to have a real tree. So we had a real tree. Now we have a fake tree. It looks real 20 feet away. You'd say, that's a real tree. Get closer, not so much. But, but anyway, so we, so we were doing this fake tree thing, and uh, it was July, and we had gotten a great rainstorm and a lot of wind, and uh, to her surprise, out blew this thing behind the shed. And she was like a little irritated with me that it was July and that Christmas tree was still like hanging around in our yard. So it was in the yard somewhere and uh, I was mowing at the time and uh, I came a little close to it and I discovered that the lawnmower could actually like chip up all those branches. So by accident, then I discovered this, this, this lawnmower is excellent. This, So I got it, you know, and, and, and I'm, I'm just getting every, every branch is just grinding up. I'm feeling really proud of myself. I'm getting rid of the Christmas tree. Cindy will be happy. And sure enough, I, I got it all the way down. So it was just like a big toothpick. And so then I was able to throw that behind the shed and I had no fear that that would blow out and Cindy would see it. So anyway, so, you know, so I'm using it for this, and uh, as, I'm, as I'm doing this, uh, you know, I get through, and I thought this was a great thing, and I thought I had found, you know, a secret to life, uh, you know, as a young married guy, that's how you dispose of your Christmas tree. But anyway, as, as the weeks went on, I started to notice that my lawnmower just really didn't cut the grass really good anymore. <laughs> So I called my friend Leon Olds, and Leon Olds was like a Maine down east rusted when it came to lawnmowers. Uh, he was a lawnmower engineer and scientist. He, he loved lawnmowers. And so he came over to check out my lawnmower, and he's looking it all over, starting it all up. He's going, yeah, this, this seems to be working good. And, and then all of a sudden, he stopped it, and he turned it over, and he looked at the blade. And he said, Dave... I've, I've never seen a blade this dull before. And he was just, a, it was a mystery to him. And finally, I, I, I confessed. I said, well, I had used that to, you know, to dispose of my Christmas tree. And it really worked good. And, and with a, a tear in his eye, because this guy loved lawnmowers. I mean, you go over his house, there were lawnmowers everywhere. He, he just, he, he never found a lawnmower he didn't love to kind of like tinker with. And so, so he, he, he just said, Dave, never, ever, ever do that again. This lawnmower was not made for that. Don't do that. And I said, okay, Leon, I won't do that. And I, and I actually, I've been good to that. Uh, I've, I've not done that again. Of course, now we have had a fake tree for about 20 years, so that's great. So anyway, but uh, the reason I share that story with you is sometimes we do the same thing with life, life in general. We really haven't figured out what our life is for, what we were made for. And just like me using that lawnmower to dispose of uh, my Christmas tree, uh, we do that in a sense with life. 
we engage, we come alongside, we get involved with things that we really weren't designed to be involved with. Uh, there, there's general areas that no, that no human being, in a sense, no person should be involved with. And then there are those things that you're uniquely designed and made. And, and this, this is true for someone who's a convinced Christ follower, uh, someone who is just checking things out, someone who isn't even convinced of faith and those kinds of things. The idea that all of us from time to time get involved in things that we really weren't designed to get involved with. We weren't, we weren't made for that. We weren't made for that purpose. And when we do that, in a sense, it makes life dull, just like that blade. Or we get dulled, or we get hardened, or we get hurt, or, or just, just things aren't right because it's just, it's just not what you and I were made for. And, you know, and I, I don't know if you've ever thought about this. You probably thought about this at some level. But ha- have you ever tried to answer the question, what, was, what am I made for? Now, those of us who are Christ followers would say that God's fingerprints are on us and he has a design for us. Uh, some of us who have come to Christ in our 40s, uh, later than that, can even look back at our life and say, wow, I see that God was designing things. God was working in my life when, when I was a teenager, when I was in my 20s, and in a time in my life where I didn't give God really any, any thoughts. Maybe I was made to go to church, but it just wasn't relevant. It just wasn't fitting. So, but now that I've, that I've said yes to Christ, I've discovered that uh, God does love me, that that's a possibility. Now, now I'm trying to think of what, what is my life for? What, 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 do, I, what do I do? How, how do I engage in this world? What's my life made for? Because when you and I try to use our life in an area that just isn't fitting, it just, it just doesn't work. It's just hard. And you may even be able to do it. That lawnmower did a beautiful job once disposing of that Christmas tree. Did a beautiful job. But then what it was really intended to do, according to Leon, it wasn't working that well. So the same thing can happen to us. And so as we think about our lives, as we think about this series, and we think about the things we choose to do, we need to ask, what am I choosing to use my life for? Uh, Sometimes we hear the word, what's my purpose? Uh, I I like that word. You're going to see that word in your outline. But I, I go back and forth between purpose and direction. Because sometimes I think we get so wrapped up in trying to figure out the purpose that we don't bother with the direction. And I, and I actually think if we work on the direction, the purpose seems to unfold over time. But we're looking for this one thing, this magic thing. And if we find that, woo, the angels will, you know, will just be like, ah, you know, and, and we just look for that. But I, but I think it also includes traveling in a certain direction, that God's purpose is for us, our direction for life. Now, this week, this isn't in your notes, but I was reading in Job uh, on my personal reading time, and I came across this verse, and it just, it, just, it just sung out when it came to the subject of, you know, what am I to be doing with my life at any age? This isn't just for the person who's young. This isn't the person that's middle-aged. This is for the person in their 70s, 80s, and beyond. What am I doing with my life? And this is what uh, we find out in Job. Job writes, True wisdom and real power belong to God. From him, we learn how to live and also what to live for. 
And it starts there. You see, God gives wisdom. God knows about our lives. He knows how we're wired. He's had a hand in our wiring. He has a design on us. And he has that wisdom. And he also has that power to help us live in those moments of where he would have us to live. The purpose for our lives. The direction of our lives. And again, when I say purpose, I'm not looking for that magical whatever it is. You say, what's my purpose? It's this job. It's this thing. Yes, that's part of it. But I think we look at that way too much and forget about the steps to get to the direction we need to travel in. And, and Job says, we, we learn how to live and we learn how to, what to live for. And uh, all of us Again, this is a wrestling point, and we have a lot of options. We have a lot of choices in our country uh, to do the things we, we like to do. Some of you may not feel you have that many choices, but compared to other parts of the world, you have a lot of choice power in your life. And so how do we choose? What, what are we going to use for our lives? Because as we choose these decisions, uh, really the sum total of our decisions make our life up. The things you were deciding five years ago, 10 years ago, maybe even last week, those choices speak to who you are today. The choices you're going to make today, uh, the response to uh, this talk will have a ripple effect a week out, two weeks out, three weeks out. It might just be that you just don't take a step. It may be that you take a huge step. It may be that you just start thinking about things. We, we have choices, and the choices shape who we are. Now, you may remember this guy. Uh, you've probably seen him around Easter time. Uh, this is Charlton Heston. He plays Moses. This is in his pre-leading uh, the people day. And then, you know, you leave people, and this is what happens to you. There's the Ten Commandments. And then a more modern example of it. But it's interesting that, that Moses, Moses knew what he was made for, knew what he was here for. It did take time. It wasn't instantaneously. But as he traveled in a certain direction, he figured those kinds of things out. And one of the things that, that we need to figure out is choosing purpose, choosing direction over popularity. And you may say, well, I'm not a high school kid anymore. I really don't care about being popular. But, but popularity does, in a sense, drip into our lives. What's popular with the group we travel in? This isn't just like, uh, you know, just out there, the popularity of the world and what's humming and zipping along, what's popular out there. But sometimes it even happens in our Christian circles uh, because of what is popular in our Christian circle, and it's not right or wrong, or sometimes it's wrong, sometimes it's right. That kind of shapes, uh, you, you know, we, we kind of get into that. And, and what this chapter about is, what this part's about, is the idea of going, wait a minute, I, I'm not going to let popularity, what's in, what's cool in the world, what's cool, what's in in my church, my Christian friends, I'm not going to let that be the final word. I remember talking about just some changes, you know, in church world. And uh, some of the things that pastors, uh, you know, myself, taught 30 and 40 years ago, uh, you know, that was the popular way, just, 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 it, it wasn't a right or wrong thing, but, but they, they pressured it. And then all of a sudden you hear this and you listen to this and all of a sudden it becomes a part of who you are and you, you'll almost die for this. But you don't realize that was just kind of a cultural popular thing and, and you let that cloud your purpose. I had a dear friend, Bob. He was in his uh, 80s, and, uh, you know, I would, I would go to church. I was a pastor, and I would, I would wear, you know, usually tan khaki pants and a shirt tucked in. And uh, he was from the age where you ought to wear a three-piece suit to church, and he still did. He would usher, and uh, he would look at me, and he would just kind of say, 
good morning, Pastor Dave. And he'd kind of look, I'd watch his eyes go up and down, and he would very, and then on. And then on, when there was a, the wedding or there's a funeral and I would dress up, the first thing he would say, Pastor Dave, you look very pastoral today. You know, it had been just ingrained in him, that's what I was supposed to look like. And again, I don't fault Bob for that. That's what he grew up with. That was a popular thought when Bob was discovering what it meant to follow Christ. It wasn't a, it wasn't a absolute that God wanted, but it was something that he held on to that he'd been taught. What, did he be, what was he taught? He said, wear your best for God on Sunday, right? And that's what, that was what he taught, so that's what he did. I didn't hate to tell him that my Dockers and the fancy shirt I was wearing was probably more expensive than this three-piece suit. So I was wearing my best. But, but again, you, you know, it's just, it's just, again, this idea of purpose over popularity. And Moses sees this. So we're going to look at Hebrews 11, uh, starting in verse 24. That's eight, page 844 in the Bible you'll find around you. And if you want a paper copy of God's Word, please feel free to take that Bible as a gift. And uh, we'll have the verses up on the screen. Also, there's this app called YouVersion uh, that has lots of possibilities. It's free. It's a Bible program. You can put that on your phone, your electronic device, and you can have it with you wherever you go. So Hebrews 11:24. This is what we read. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as a greater value than the treasure of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. Now, it's interesting. If you know anything about Moses, Moses was born a slave in Egypt um, his life was on the line. He was stuck in this little reed basket and put out in the Nile just along the edge there because uh, Pharaoh had said these, these uh, Hebrews, these Jews, these Israelites are getting just too numerous. And if they're, we're not careful, they could take things over. So we want to take out all the boys. So any boy that's born, we, we want to dispose of them. And so um, Moses' mom uh, had uh, Moses put in this little bag, when, a little, little, little basket, when she couldn't uh, hide him anymore, put him on the edge, and his sister watched him. While a princess found the little baby, found Moses, drew him out of the water, that's what Moses means, and uh, raised him as one of her own in the palace. And so he, he, he had everything. He had everything. And he was raised as a prince. And somewhere along the line, um, he had a bad temper, he tried to get involved, timing wasn't right, uh, was then on the run, had to take off, leaves for another 40 years, is out in the wilderness, and, um, and then later on, he eventually, God calls him to lead uh, the, the nation. But this idea that uh, Moses wanted to identify himself with who God had made him to be is just really powerful. Uh, by faith, uh, God, he trusted in God. It's interesting, when he had grown up, there's this process here. This didn't all happen overnight. He, he refused to be known. He, he, he said, you know, th there's more going on. I'm just not going to play it comfortable. I'm just not going to play it safe. I, I know what I was made for. I knew the direction I'm supposed to be traveling in it, and, and this is not it. 
So rather than getting involved in all that, rather than living a self-centered life, rather than being all about ourselves, you've got to remember that in this culture in Egypt, to, to have the pharaohs and all the royalty live the way they had to live, they had to really bear down on these slaves. Those slaves enabled their lifestyle. And so Moses didn't want to be connected to that. So, so he, he stopped, and he, he, he disregards that and, and, and is willing to take on what he needs to take on. And he's looking for what God made him to be. He's looking for the reward ahead. And sometimes we get a little funky about rewards. What does that mean? He just wanted to live a life that counted. He wanted to make a difference. And those of us who are Christ followers, there is this concept throughout the scriptures that when you and I live a faithful life, when you and I are all in when it comes to this thing of following Christ, somehow when we get to heaven, when we experience God, when there's a new heavens and new earth, there will be this kind of reward we get. I want to be clear on this. This doesn't mean that you get like a nicer car than that other guy. Now, they were so unfaithful, but they're a Christian, you know, and they're driving a, like a Yugo in heaven, and you're driving this prime European thing. No, that's not that, that's not that kind of reward. We really don't understand what it is, to be honest with you, but, but there is some kind of honor that will be well worth it when you are faithful. It's not that we're earning our way to God. In a few moments, we're going to celebrate communion, and we're going to talk about that, Christ's free gift. But there is this idea when you and I are faithful, we are rewarded for our faithfulness. So for Moses, as he looked at being a prince and all that goes along with that, we're fascinated by that kind of world. Uh, you watch all the, the, the luxuries, all of that. He, he somehow, he said, you know, this is great. This is wonderful. But as he grew up, he said, you know, there's more to life. There's a direction I need to be traveling. I need to fulfill my purpose. And as I do that, I will be rewarded for my faithfulness. Now, I'm sure his fellow princes... I mean, you watch those movies, there's a lot of fiction in there. So if you've ever watched any of these movies depicting Moses, don't go, wow, I didn't know that. Well, that probably didn't happen. But, but you, you get the idea. You see all the pageantry. You see all the wealth. Uh, you know, I'm sure his, 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 his friends, his buddies, his everybody just couldn't get over why he would turn that down. I'm sure even some of his peers... I'm sure some of um, his fellow Israelites, his fellow Hebrews, they, they, why would you come and, why would you do this? Why won't you just, you know, you're all set. Why don't you just stay there and enjoy that? But, but he realized there was more to that than life. So he, he chooses purpose over uh, popularity. And see, when you and I think about this idea of purpose over popularity, we first of all have to come to terms with this idea of not being a people pleaser. Sometimes that grabs our heart, that we, that we just, we, just, we want to please people, we want to fit in, we, we want to go with the crowd, we want people to like us, and so because of that, it causes us to, to kind of push purpose, push direction over to the side, not to be engaged in that, and, and I, I'm, I'm guilty, I am a people pleaser. If I ever have to, let's say, say something to you, you know, and you're like, whoa, if the pastor wants to meet with me or if the pastor's talking to me, or I, I say something that is not happy thoughts, you've got to remember that it's taken a lot of oomph for me to do that. 
I don't like doing that. I want everybody just to be, oh, it's happy, it's nice. Yeah, I just want to be, you know, who cares? You know, you know, I, that, that's, that's the way I'm bent. But, but I've also learned that I don't have the luxury to be that way. Not only is my own faithfulness in jeopardy at times, but also sometimes it's a situation in somebody else's life. If I don't say anything because I want them to be happy and comfortable and blah, 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 blah. You know, I'm actually causing harm into their life. You know, there's times where we need to speak up. There's times where we don't need to speak up, but... but you have to ask yourself where you're at. So there's this idea of not being a people pleaser. There's also this uh, piece of it that says, uh, you know, not being comfortable in the cultural rhythms of life. You know, when, we're, when we choose popularity, what's popular, what's good, what's, what's justified, what's accepted. Uh, sometimes you and I waste a lot of our life involved in things that really don't help, in a sense, move the ball down the field. Sometimes you hear me talk about that as sideways energy. Uh, sometimes as a church, we have to be very careful. We don't have an activity, a program, a resource that we're, that we're doing that's really just sideways energy. It's not helping move the ball down the field. And likewise, you and I can find that we can will away a lot of time, the most precious resource we have, on sideways energy things, and it doesn't, it doesn't help move the ball down the field. This doesn't mean you don't have fun. It doesn't mean that you have to be like, you know, every minute you're at it, you know, it doesn't mean that. But, but there are pockets, and maybe not in your life, but in my life, I see some pockets where, where the cultural rhythm of life, the acceptable way, and it's not really bad, it's, it's fine, but it's actually distracting me, getting me off purpose. And again, from Moses, he, he saw this. Uh, Moses was willing to give it all up. Um, fortunately, in our world, we're, we're not, most of us aren't leaving like the palace to go somewhere else like that. But there are these things where we get into the popular rhythm of the culture, and it's really not helpful. But when you and I determine what our purpose is, when we determine what our direction is, when we have an informed purpose, an informed direction, there is an incredible amount of power that can come into our lives. And this power of purpose, this power of direction is just, is just unmovable. It just it helps us function. Um, when we have purpose, when we have direction, it diminishes distractions in life. When you know what you're going for, when you see the prize, if you will, when you're running in that direction and you're not looking every which way, you find that it diminishes those distra distractions. Sometimes those uh, distractions or those things that are coming at you, uh, you realize you've got to say no to it. And that makes your yes, your purpose, uh, that much stronger. It affects our finances. It affects our use with time. It affects our entertainment. It affects what we, what we do with people and all these kinds of things. When you and I latch on to a direction that we're going to travel in, and of course in a church setting, we're say traveling in the ways that honor God, that opens up our relationship with him, that gets it closer and tighter, traveling in those ways, uh, that, that's the direction, that's our, our general purpose for life, uh, that when we have that, then there are a lot of things uh, we, just don't, we just don't waste the time with. 
And some of you can even testify to that. You can give an example of that right now. If I passed the mic around and said, uh, you know, 10 years ago you weren't following Christ. It wasn't a part of your life. You didn't even kind of even think there was God or possibility or maybe there was or maybe there wasn't. But now that you've kind of locked into that, you've said yes to him, uh, you could look at your life and say, wow, there's a change. You know, five, 10 years ago I was doing all this kind of stuff. It was fine. It was, it was culturally acceptable. It was good. But now that, I, don't, I just don't have time for that. Don't, don't have the energy for that. I don't want to give a drop of energy to that because I, I, now have, I now have a purpose. I have a direction. And so purpose can really diminish our distractions in life. This is what happened to Nehemiah. Uh, Nehemiah is trying to help build the wall. And, uh, you know, there's some people coming up to him who want to distract him. And this is what he says, I'm carrying on a great project and cannot go down. Why should the work stop? Why leave it? and go down to you. He's working on the wall. Some people, hey, have a conversation, have a meeting with me. He's like, no, 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 I, I'm, I've got to get this wall done. And, you know, this may be laying something heavy on you. You go, well, I'm just a regular kind of person. But, uh, you know, I have to ask you, is there a great project going on in your life? Do you have a great project? Are you giving your life to something? Or are you just kind of like watching it run out? What do you do with it? Nehemiah had this great project, and he was involved, and he was engaged in it, and he didn't want the work to stop. And again, like I said earlier, it's not this big purpose, you know, I'm going to go do this amazing thing, but just even just the basic direction thing sometimes. Um, sometimes it means, you know, uh, Cindy and I turn off the TV at 9 o'clock. You go, wow, because yeah, that's a distraction. And then all of a sudden, it's amazing that... When I wake up at 4, 4.30, I have a little bit more energy if I st than I stayed up to 10.30. And then I get up, and I, my, one of my purposes or directions in life, as we've talked about weeks ago, is to, is to hear from God. And my best time to hear from God is early in the morning for whatever reason. And so, so I, don't want, I don't want to corrupt that time. I don't want that time to be, uh, I don't want to be half awake. I, I want to be engaged. So, so that's a distraction. So, so we limit that. We, we, don't, we don't do that. And again, there's nothing wrong with watching TV till midnight or what I, you know. But I'm saying you've got to figure out what direction you're traveling in, what your purpose is, and then when you have it, you start to find that it, there's a power to your life that diminishes the distractions of life. And, you know, we've already talked about the idea of uh, popularity and all of that, and there's comparisons. You know, when Paul speaks about the fact that he's not getting caught up in it, that, that's, again, that's just another distraction for him, this idea of popularity and just popular opinion. Um, also, purpose doesn't discount counsel or negate counsel. Some of us may say, well, then, you know, I'm just going to kind of do my own thing, and I, I don't listen to anybody. I've, I've heard from God what I need to do. And some of that's good, and some of that isn't too good. I've had some people sit in my office from time to time and say they've heard from God, God's led them, not literally verse, but they, and, and, and what they're sharing is, is, is just not fitting for life. But they want to say, because, you know, I'm not getting distracted, I'm going for this. They forget that there is a place for counsel. There is a place to, to hear and listen to somebody else. Uh, listen to advice and accept discipline. At the end, you'll be counted among the wise. 
And how many times can you think of sometimes where you really felt led, directed, or maybe you weren't even aware of it, you were using all this time, all these resources for something, and um, all of a sudden someone comes and speaks into your life, and fortunately you were willing to listen to them, and, and it saves you from something. So don't think that purpose means that you know, you're, you're so focused that no one can speak into your life. It doesn't negate counsel. Like what Craigslist um, Chrishell says, he says, living for the approval of people keeps you from the purposes of God. And this idea that if we are not careful, if we're not careful, the approval of people can all of a sudden just, just, just fill our lives so that we're just distracted and keeps us from that direction. Um, also, purpose helps us push us through pain. When there's a purpose, when there's a direction, I hate to bring up school again. Well, actually, I don't mind because I don't have to go to school. <laughs> I spent a lot of time in school, spent more time than I should have. But anyway, I spent a lot of time in school. But I remember my last big project, a 120-page thing, and it was painful. It was, it was really painful for Cindy because Cindy would have to edit it all the time. But it was really painful. And I'm, I, I, but, but, but because... I wanted to finish, and it was my last thing. It took me forever, and I just kept pushing at it, pushing at it. Cindy kept pushing at it. I had some friends who kept pushing me at it, but I finally got it done. But purpose, direction can help push you through pain. So there's things that are hard in life, but it's worth it. All of us have been on a hike or something where we're tired and we're ready to give up. And uh, they're like, no, just go a little farther. And you get to the top of the mountain and all of a sudden the view is spectacular and you're so thankful you didn't quit 20 minutes earlier. And some of us have been the one who's quit. And, we ne and they all come down. Yeah, it was great up there. You missed it. And you're like, oh, you didn't let the purpose push you through the pain. Uh, this is what Jesus did on our behalf. He, Jesus, never lost sight of where he was headed. He, couldn't, he could put up with anything along the way, cross, shame, whatever. You see, even for our Lord, the one we're going to celebrate in a few moments, what pushed him, what kept him on track, his purpose, he helped him push through the pain and the horrific death that he experienced on our behalf so that we could have a connection, a relationship with God. Paul writes this, I, I keep going on trying to grasp that purpose for which Jesus or which Christ Jesus grasped me. And it shows it's a process, it's work, it takes energy, it's not automatic pilot. And one of the things we really loved about Daniel is Daniel for all 85, 90 years kept on going. He kept grasping, he kept holding on to it. It's not always easy. So if you and I are, are trying to think about how purpose fits in our life, it helps us push through the hard things. It also compels us to serve. When we've discovered what we're made for, what our purpose is, what direction we're supposed to travel in, Paul writes this. He says, neither, No, we neither make nor save ourselves. God does both the making and the saving which is fantastic. That's the reason we talked about we don't earn our way. He, through grace, saves us, establishes a relationship, but he makes and saves us. He creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work. He does. 
the good work he has gotten ready for us to do. Work we had better get started. And there's this idea that uh, God has given us some reason to exist. When you and I have said yes to Christ, it isn't just like now you're all set when you, when you pass on. It's like, woo, I've got eternity insurance. Isn't this fantastic? No, he's, he's created you for something. He's made you for something. And you and I uh, have that gift. And so that purpose compels us to serve, to engage. Paul writes, each of us find our meaning and function as a part of his body. And the idea behind this is we're a part of a local church, a local body of Christ. Christ sometimes refers to us as his body, and we're the body of Christ, and and we function on his behalf. And if you're a Christ follower, you, me, receive our meaning and function, our role, our purpose as of being part of a local body. And when we're not, we're, we're missing that. So it helps us to to move through. It helps us to to serve this idea of direction, this idea of purpose. Also, we see that purpose empowers us to please God. I don't know about you, but I want to please God. I have told you this story before. When I was a little kid, the reason I wanted to please my father was because I didn't want to get spanked. I didn't want to get punished. I didn't want to have something taken away. As I got older and older and into my 20s, all of a sudden my desire to please my dad wasn't because I was trying to avoid punishment. It was because I just loved him. And I just wanted to, I just wanted to please him. So now when uh, my dad, I'm talking to him on the phone during the week, and you know he doesn't say this all the time, but he says it enough, more than enough, he'll, he'll tell me that he and mom are proud of me. And, and as a 52-year-old, still little boy to some degree, that makes me feel awesome. And it's, it's, it's not because I'm trying to earn his love. It's because I just love him. And so if you're a Christ follower, if you, you know, entered into this relationship with God through what Christ did for us out of out of, you know, fear of the future, eternity, and all those kinds of things. That's a start, yes. But as you mature, as you grow up, your your desire to please God isn't, isn't to make sure you're all set with Him so that when you do pass on, you go to be with Him. It's, it's more than that. It's because you just want to please Him. He's, he's your heavenly Father. In Acts, we read, Peter and Paul, or Peter and the other apostle replied, We must obey God rather than human beings. And this is, again, this is that tension what's popular, what's comfortable. And, and Peter says, I, 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 can't, I, can't, I can't not obey God. I want to I please him. When it comes to pleasing God and it comes to pleasing human beings, God's up here. Yeah, I do want to please people, but God's way up here. And so when we have purpose, when we have direction, it empowers us, it gives us the ability to actually please God. So God is like, great job, Dave. Great job, Bill. Great job, Susie, whatever your name is. And, and, and that, should, that should bring you some joy. That should bring you some satisfaction. 
I mean, he, I mean, Moses had that idea, had that understanding. Read again in Hebrews, it said, He, Moses, had his eye on the one no one can see and kept right on going. You see, Moses had this faith. And sometimes it's, it's faith. We have, we have to have faith. It's, it's not like, you know, God can sit like a cross from you at the table in the morning and, you know, touch you and, he, you know, that kind of a thing. There, there's faith. Jesus even prays for those that would f- come in the future that would follow him, that it would be even a little more difficult for the, than the disciples because they would have to have faith, a different kind of faith. But, but that kept Moses going, and it can keep us going. I love what Andy Stanley says. He says this, if God created you on purpose, you have to come to the conclusion if you believe that's true, but if you get through that and you say, yeah, I'm not just an accident, I'm just not a fluke of nature, but if God created you on purpose with a purpose and for a purpose, then why in the world would you be willing to settle for anything less? Why? You're a Christ follower. Why would you settle for anything less? Because see, our bottom line is this, created on purpose for a purpose. If you've said yes to Christ, if we looked at that Ephesians passage, you were created on purpose for a purpose. And when you get into that zone, into that direction, life is sweet. Now, if my lawnmower could have talked to me, I'm sure my lawnmower would not have been happy about the Christmas tree. No, don't make me do it. You know, he would have cried. You're hurting my blade. You know, he, he, just, he just knew, you know, the torque on the end, whatever. I don't even know what I'm talking about. But the engine wasn't designed to do that, that thing, you know, and all that. All of it would have been screaming. But when I was just mowing the grass, when Leon got me the new sharp blade, that lawnmower was humming. It was, it was singing a song. Mmm, it's good to be a lawnmower. Because he knew he was created on purpose for a purpose. And the same is true for us. Why settle for anything else? Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we just uh, thank you that uh, you offer us new life in you, that you want to create life anew in us, giving us a direction, giving us a purpose, giving us a reason for being. And it doesn't have to be some grandiose thing. It just, it's, it's a road to travel, a direction to travel in. And I just ask that you would help each one of us, wherever we're at, think about that and figure out, am I living for purpose? Is purpose a power in my life? Have I said yes to Jesus? Help us to think those things through. Help us to hear your voice. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.